Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Lou Palumbo, and we have no shortage of things to talk about. Let me remind you why we are doing this show. What we're doing here is trying to create a line of communication or a conversation where we can reintroduce civility, uh, decency, common sense, logic, reason, above all things, the truth. All of these elements are, are almost, I would say, a commodity in this country today, tragically. And um, we're here to try to just bring some some sensibility and some rhyme and reason as to what the future of our children is going to be in this country. So in today's show, we will go to a couple of callers, read an email or two, and always try to solve some of these problems that appear to be plaguing us that are quite problematic. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and we have our first caller today, young lady from Pittsburgh, Elaine. Elaine, are you there? Yes, good afternoon, Lou. How are you? I'm good, Elaine. Now, immediately when I hear your name, I think of uh, The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, my my name is Elaine with an A. Oh, see, I got some bad info here. Bad intel. Ruin your day, Elaine. Yeah. So I want to apologize. But, that's, um, that's okay. But it's better than thinking about Lady Elaine from, uh, you know, Okay, Mr. so I, I, yeah. I, you have a question today, I gather? I do have a question. Um, I was listening to some of your former podcasts and was trying to think about maybe some topics that weren't covered and was interested um, as to your thoughts on how we can revitalize the performing arts in our communities after this massive pandemic. That's an interesting question. It's normally one that's not in my wheelhouse, but I happen to uh, had an interesting association with the Princess Grace Foundation. Princess Grace, as okay. you know, was from Philadelphia. I gather this is a Pittsburgh area code. Am I correct? Yeah, you're calling me in Pittsburgh. You no, know, she, she was right down the road in Bucks County. That's a, I, I, I visited the first playhouse she performed in. And, um, you know, I've been to the Bucks County Playhouse, yep. And that was the first place that she actually performed in. And not to bore you, Elaine, with other little trivias, but I worked for the Sinatras, who were very, very close with, with Princess Grace. And um, okay. I've actually protected her son for 22 years, who's the head of state of Monaco. But in any case, yep. um, in reference to, you know, the performing arts, they need to be funded. That's the thing I come away with. They need to have investors that believe in the in the arts and, and the relevancy to our culture, you know, how they enhance the future of our children. And it just adds a flavor or a dynamic um, to our living that is just part of the balance. You know, it can't be just simply sports or uh, simply academic environments. You have to have the arts. You know, the arts are part of that balance. And in reference to you know, how they go about revitalizing them. It's going to have to be through funding, through independent donors at times, or fundraising itself. A lot of times these organizations employ fundraising organizations to, you know, raise money for them. And that's really a synopsis on, on revitalizing or reintroducing them. In New York, as you're aware, they're, they're chomping at the bit to open Broadway again. I don't know if Lincoln Center is open. Would you know, Elaine? Is Lincoln Center open I don't yet? know. Yeah, I don't believe that it is just yet, but I know it's it's imminent. And I heard target dates as early as August or September. But, um, you know, that's all contingent upon the next strain of variant of virus coming down. Always <laughs> Delta. So you got to sit back and just my thing is simply relax, enjoy every day, Um take everything one day at a time. So uh, I hope that answered that question for you. 
I've heard, I've heard you say that, you know, relax and enjoy every day. And, you know, I just feel that in the current state of affairs, that the, the arts have become something that maybe people have enjoyed, you know, virtually, but switching that back into live performance, um, you know, is a really difficult kind of thing. Even I'm a performer. As a performer, um, we've been a little bit out of practice, <laughs> you know, as far as playing for live people and a little bit um, uninspired without the, the energy coming from a live audience. Patience and perseverance, Elaine. Patience and perseverance. The thing and, that's very well, important... And funding. And funding. I'm glad oh, yeah, you said funding. that. Oh, yeah, and funding. Yes, yes, yes. But I want to say one other thing about, about you know, the arts. Um, they're very important because, you know, we need distractions in this country. And those are the, the yeah. things that enhance our lives and broaden the way that we think and embrace life, but also take our focus off to the craziness that exists every day. That's why in pro sports, we've watched a lot of individuals decide to become politically active. You know, people put on football or basketball to kind of step away from what's in their ear from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. And that's one of the very, very important elements that are attached to the arts as well. I mean, you just you get to escape a little bit and take that noise out of your ear that may not be so healthy for you or mentally or emotionally and, and delve right. into something that's in, you know, can enrich you, you know, cause when you watch people perform, I, I've, I've worked around the entertainment industry. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I ran the Academy Awards around the first Iraqi conflict. I ran the golden globes 14 years. I ran the security for directors guild and the writers guild and a lot of people in the entertainment industry. Entertainment is important. Um, again, it's going to, or be part, you know, maybe, maybe the president could allocate some money, some funding. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation because there's no secret that they're an integral part of this culture and they should not be diminished or underscored or taken for granted. So, uh, you have any follow-up question for me? Well, I heard you talking a little bit about, you know, this new package that he has put together, but I don't believe that this is included in that package. No, no, it really, it really isn't. Unfortunately, you know, and, and not to go off on a tangent with you, but every time you start to explore packages, for example, this pork belly spending attached to them, this is spending that's not necessarily targeted to fix a specific problem. It's quite a, kind of like a quid quo pro that exists between our political entities. But, um, uh, you know, at the at the end of the day, you know, this should be part of a consideration. You guys should clearly have a voice. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it based on the major contribution you've made to this society, to this culture, and even globally. You know, it's not just something that's, that's uh, how would you say, c confined to the United States. It has an international right. implication. It'd be nice if they thought outside the box for a moment in Washington, D.C., explored all avenues of, of consideration. This is one of them. This is another one of them. You know, listen, it's it's tough to run this country, so I'm not going to be hypercritical of the president. I don't think anybody sane, rational, or reasonable would want this job. Would want to run for president yeah, me. No. Yeah, just, you know, I, I, yeah. I just don't know what to say. But I will tell you, you know, we, we, we rely on philanthropy to help us, you know, fill in some of these gaps. And, you know, I, I think that's that's where you have the direction you have to go. So Great. Um, it, it does answer the question. I have kind of a, a bit of a follow-up question. Sure. Um, I also am a teacher. I teach in the Pittsburgh public schools. And you had said that a lot of um, people, 
use the arts to sort of escape from the busyness of their days and all the noise in their ears. And I've found that my students have really um, embraced that. And some of my underperforming students have really outshined during the whole shutdown. Um, I taught virtually for over a year uh, without seeing any of them. But now that the students are going back to school, there is a bunch of focus on testing and trying to bring them uh, back up to the level they should be in math and reading and all of this stuff. And how can we make sure that the arts education is still integrated um, in a curriculum with the focus being on all these other things, which, you know... It needs a voice. I mean, Elaine, it needs a voice. Someone has to be an advocate and they have to, how would you say, insinuate themselves into the discussion with the academic environment and say, listen, we know what you're concerned about, reading, writing, and arithmetic, as they once referred to right. it as. But, but, but there's also a critical nature of this extracurricular activity, whether it's athletics or the arts or you know performances. It has to be part of the conversation. And it has to be articulated in a less than contentious manner and explain that it's a very, very important part of the balance that children need. You know, this is about our children. This whole journey isn't about us. You know, once you hit a certain threshold, you know, it becomes about our children. And, and that should be what, what's in the best interest of these children. It's about how it's, it's presented to a school board, for example, or a particular learning environment. But they shouldn't underscore the importance and they should be reminded of the importance of the balance that it re- represents in the lives of children and the fact that it does serve as a distraction and allow them to grow in different directions. It's, you know, it's about balance. It's what's a very important element in life that children need to be taught. And maybe some of the big people is what you're talking about right now, (laughs) because we are concerned about their academic, uh, excuse me, their academic endeavors, right? It's critically important because that's part of the path through life. It's not a sure thing, but it establishes you. It gives you foundation and credibility. So do extracurricular activities. They show your ability to perform in an academic environment in a balanced way. In fact, you and I probably both know that when you apply to colleges, for example, they look at not only your high school grades, but they look at whether or not you were involved in extracurricular activities as part of the balance. So that's that's a really good point you brought up. So um, I, I would encourage you to maybe be that advocate, be that voice, Elaine. We're going to have to take a quick break and go to another caller. I hope that you're you're happy with this, Elaine, this response. Oh, great. And Thank I, you so much. Bro. No, it's my pleasure, and I encourage you to call back in again. We'll be right back. Waiting in the wings, we have a caller. Oh, her name is Jackie. We're going to take a call right now. Please stand by. Jackie, are you there? Yes, hello. Hi, Jackie. How are you? And where are you? Hi, I'm in Colorado. Whereabouts? Um, in Golden. Golden. I'm familiar, yeah. And and may I ask, what are you doing these days with yourself? Um, just relaxing in summer, but doing some summer homework. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're relaxing because that's a word we need to introduce into this culture on a daily basis. Um, are you, uh, have academic pursuits at this time? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking online classes. I'm going to be a junior. So I have to study a junior in high school. Yes. Oh, good. What school do you go to? Golden high school. Oh, good. Okay. You have a question today? I do. So I'm part of Generation Z, and I've heard a lot of people say how 
social media and the internet is ruining our generation based off of either like attention span or not socializing enough on or in person various other things how we only get our news from the internet but i think the internet for me has helped me greatly and i don't and i think a lot of other people in my generation do what are your thoughts on this i i think this is a superb question number one Okay, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think that the internet and technology in general is a wonderful thing. What you're going to learn in life, um, Jackie, isn't so much about things we're exposed to, but how we manage them. And that's a word for yourself, for example. You're, you're, you're probably doing and not realizing it. You manage your parents, you manage your money, you manage your friends, you manage your school, you manage your boyfriends, you learn to manage. It's about how we manage technology. And what, to what extent it takes a role in our lives. You know, I will say you cannot um, underscore the value of your ability to access information and to low in, uh, learn and grow. Um, there is an issue, though, with the personalization, to be very candid with you. I do think that, that your generation has been robbed of this, and you cannot underscore the value of being personally involved with people. I'm going to tell you something you're going to find Probably not too entertaining, but in yesteryear when I was younger and you dated a girl, for example, or whomever, and you wanted to break up, you had to deal with them face-to-face usually or in a telephone conversation. Now I send you an email or a text, and it's almost like the cowardice way out. You know, there's there's a value in me sitting there and saying Mm -hmm. to you, you know, I can't be to you who you need me to be or give you what you want, like an adult would. You know, the exercise in relationships, Jackie, also, it's not how you enter them, it's how you leave them. You're going to go through life and people are going to come into your life and bring you flowers and and want to wine and dine you. Everybody comes in easy. It's how they leave. They leave in a storm. The exercise is to leave as gently as you've been introduced into that equation. But to go back to this issue about the internet, I think the internet, I think technology has become, unfortunately, a double-edged sword. I want to tell you a quick story. When I was in college, my junior year, we were approached at St. John's University by United Airlines, and they had part-time jobs at Kennedy Airport and passenger service. It was my first exposure to computers. They were called Apollo systems, but these computers were really limited as to what you could do with them. In other words, I could generate information to help you travel, Jackie, right? I could generate Mm -hmm. information regarding weather. Uh, an inbound plane you might be waiting for to go outbound, any number of things that were relevant or germane to the industry. The unfortunate part today is that some young people, and I don't want to limit it to them because I've seen some big people do this as well, verbally slaughter each other on the Internet. I would encourage you, and this is clearly, you know, you're, you're, you're making your way through school, you're doing good things with yourself, you're going to gain mm-hmm. more and more control of your life every day it goes by. But I would encourage you to avoid social media. Do not discuss your personal life, your likes, your dislikes, anything going on in your family, um, things that upset you, you know, guard your Mm. privacy. I cannot overemphasize that to you. This has become a three ring circus at your expense. We do this on your back to make money, make no ifs, ands, or buts about it, Jackie. These companies, Mm -hmm. these entities, Facebook, all of them make money on your back. Guard your privacy, be discreet, but employ technology and the internet to further your ability to learn in an as expeditious fashion as you can. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I hope that you agree with what I'm saying. I think the internet, I think technology 
has armed you with more and better tools than my generation had. I think you may know that. Mm-hmm. You, you realize that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I now want to hear what you think about what I just said to you. Uh, yeah, well, thank you for your answer. I found it very insightful. And yeah, um, staying private on the internet is really important, I think. Yeah, I agree with you there. But, but you know, again, you know, the... the, the accusation that it has desensitized and and makes things impersonal is true i mean we no Mm -hmm. longer have to deal with people one-on-one you know i don't know how you feel about this and this is something that might be generational also but i think there's nothing like sitting in the presence of someone and and developing not an intimacy on a level that's inappropriate but just this human contact is critically important to one to, to each other and i do know that your generation has been provided a tool to step away from that, I would encourage you to sell yourself. You know, in other words, when you step into a room and you know how to package yourself and you know how to articulate your thoughts, you'll have an ability to to influence people in a positive way, hopefully, or maybe even a negative way. But you're also going to learn from this personal contact you have with people. So I would encourage you to judiciously employ the internet. I would never discourage you from using it. It's a great tool. And um, what, uh, are you thinking about college right now? What are you thinking about in regards to that, Jackie? Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about like going to some engineering colleges. Oh, interesting. Is that your, is yeah. that your aptitude? You, you like engineering? I do, yeah. yeah. Well, you must be a smart cookie, smarter than I am. <laughs> Thank you. Hope. Yeah. So what schools are you looking at? Anyone in particular? Um, there's an engineering school near Golden called Mines that I've been looking at and then other just places in various locations like, uh, MIT, if I can get in. Yeah. Or various others. Aim uh, high. Jackie, learn to aim high. You know, is there anyone yeah. in the family that's in this business, this engineering? Uh, my mom is in cybersecurity. Interesting. But not like, like uh, civil engineering. Does not, she work for like any that. of our three letter agencies by some chance? Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Probably would be a, an interesting conversation because I know you're probably hearing a lot about cyber and which lends mm-hmm. itself to technology and its misapplication. But, um, you know, just stay the course and continue, you know, this academic mm-hmm. pursuit of yours. You're going to be fine. You're an intelligent young girl. I can tell you that. And uh, in any case, you have a follow-up question for me, maybe? Um, I don't think so. I think that answered my question. Okay, good. I'm glad that that, that uh, satisfied the the question mm-hmm. that you posed. So I hope you call back in again at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I might. Thank you so much. My pleasure, and I hope to hear from you again. Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome, Jackie. Okay, guys, we're going to come back after a quick break. We're going to thank our sponsors, and then we're going to look at some emails. Remember, you can go to our website, at betweenthelines.tv. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're here again. Gabe from Lubbock, Texas, has asked a really interesting question in this email. Um, he mentions that the president and vice president, since being elected, have yet to even go near the borders to make an assessment of what's going on. Um, he's asking, is that because they don't really want to spotlight or give it the notoriety? Or is that because they're in denial that this problem even exists? That's a really, really good question. And and Gabe, I don't want to answer that in a political fashion. 
as a Republican or a Democrat. We're going to answer that question truth-based and as people that have interest in this, or as they would say, skin in the game. It is quite apparent that they're trying to underscore the level or the gravity of the problem at the border. All you really need to do is speak to local law enforcement officials or elected officials. And apparently, the problem has taken on such a gravity that the governor, Abbott, of the state of Texas, has chosen to kind of thumb up to the the federal government, step off federal land and build a fence um, on the border of Mexico through independent funding and people volunteering to give property over. So there's a problem down there. I, I think that there's a whole political explanation attached to this, and the things I say to you, I remind you, are not being said because of any political tie. Um, since the day the president came into office and then made this rather interesting statement of providing an eight-year path to citizenship for immigrants, 11 million immigrants that I neglected to mention were illegal in our country, that spurned an interest in converging on the border. That was acknowledged recently on the heels of the vice president going, I believe, to Guatemala and Honduras. Their elected officials there said this has been precipitated by the Biden administration. Those are not my words. That's not MSNBC's words. Those are not Fox's words. Those are words of the officials that are in those those geographical areas of the world, Central and South America. I think they would like to conveniently ignore this problem, although I think that they are, how would you say, of the mindset of building a voting base and constituency. You know, I don't understand why the president didn't come out and say the 11 million illegal immigrants will be granted amnesty, which I don't have a problem with. Get a social security card, start to pay taxes, contribute to this, to the culture. Your children will vote. So somehow, you know, we have um, once again attached a political agenda to an interesting crisis. I do think they would like to ignore this if possible. I don't think that the media is sufficiently um, bringing it into focus or spotlight, so to speak, with the rest of the country. Certain media outlets are because of their political agenda. This shouldn't be something that we're politically dissecting. This has there's a direct correlation to the safety and the security of this country and to the welfare of children, I might add. We have approximately 21,000 children remanded at the border that we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with. And do we have something in place systemically to facilitate them? They need medical care, clothing, food, education. They need emotional support also because, as you know, some of them have been dropped at the border and left with their parents because the parents feel they're going to have a better shot at life here without them than they would in their home countries. Really interesting question. It's unfortunate we've sucked the integrity and truth out of this society. So there is an agenda attached to this, tragically. Um, I do not understand what the explanation is. Uh, or the reluctance by the president or even the vice president to go to the border and I would say interact with this occurrence as well as their their elected officials and as well as the Border Patrol agents, you know. Um, as you're probably aware, the governor in the state of uh, Florida, DeSantis, has sent asset, assets, excuse me, the governor has sent assets um, to Florida in the form of law enforcement agents to help them deal with this problem. The governor in the state of Arizona is expressing grave concern over the over the border. We all can't be crazy here, folks. But tragically, there's more of a, a Machiavellian, is that the correct term? 
attachment to this. There's a bigger, there's a bigger, bigger scheme going on here. And if this is an attempt to bolster your voting base at the expense of the security of this nation and our children, shame on you. This is not American. This is not who we are. Maybe if you changed your agenda and your platform and focused on the country as a whole instead of just a small segment of it, you might get more traction. But at the end of the day, what's going on at the border is irreprehensible, and we're starting to see pushback by some of the governors who border these states, and they're getting support, as I just mentioned, from governors who feel they have skin in the game because some of the people coming across the border illegally are ending up in the state of Florida and other states. No secret that they're mysteriously showing up in states like Tennessee and Arizona. Scottsdale's reporting the problem. I wonder if the government, the federal government, is asking the governors if this is okay or are they just imposing their will like we've seen uh, uh, the government do before. And that's not just Democrats. That's across the board. There's a problem with the political system, in case everyone hasn't figured this out. This isn't about what's best for the Democrats or what's best for the Republicans. It's about what's best for our children, first and foremost. So when you start formulating your ideas and collecting your thoughts and deciding a course of action you want to take today, do me a favor and ask yourself how it's going to translate to our children. We're having a tough enough time taking care of our elderly in this country, our mentally ill, and the children, especially those in indigent neighborhoods, minority neighborhoods, but we're now entertaining people coming from thousands of miles away. I'm not suggesting we don't help other people, but we have to sit down, put our differences aside, start to compromise on issues, and start to put into place plans or create formats that serve us all. You know, people wonder, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent about this with Donald Trump, mixed emotions, but this is what happened. Back in my generation, we heard a term being thrown around called the silent majority. We saw that silent majority rear its head in the 2016 election. Mr. Trump went out and, and developed an audience with people across the heartland of this country who felt abandoned. Because all we seem to do in the news every day and the politicians is focus on a very small segment of the country which needs attention. We're still not helping the minority community, ladies and gentlemen, just for the record. You can give $15,000 checks to illegal immigrants. You can let them paint streets, engage in civil disobedience, riot, destroy businesses, destroy cities, literally. It's not getting one minority child a better education, a safer street, better medical, better diet, or better housing. We're all just tap dancing around us because we're cowards. No one really wants to speak to the fix. This show, by the way, is not about being contentious. It's about problem solving. I've spent my life problem solving. You come to me with a problem, I will come to you with an answer. And then we have to work through that answer because that's the beginning of the conversation to see where we're going to end up. That's absent in the discussion today. This is about posturing, and they were posturing at the expense of this country, and more importantly, which really annoys me, at the expense of our children. So this whole border issue that they're ignoring, which is what they're doing, and hoping that people just won't pay attention, is going to resonate in this country. We need to seal the border and responsibly control people that need to access this country because of asylum or other legitimate need. You know, if a mom and three young children ages three, five, and seven come to the border, I'm not turning them away. That's not who we are. But there has to be some method to the madness. You know, the, the word, the expression I like is like, keep the cuckoo in the clock. You know what I mean? This is, uh, I don't know what to say to everyone, but the way we're going about this is counterproductive. And once again, it's fractionalizing the country. It's dividing the country. It's polarizing the country. And we're not getting anywhere. 
All you do is hear the same nonsense day in and day out being spoon fed to you through the media, hoping you'll just digest it because they said it. And by the way, that's what's happening here. You know, I've told people something about being elected in this country. You just have to sit back and look. If we can't find out something bad about you, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, we'll just make something up. And when the media plays it, a certain demographic, because it came from the media, will automatically adopt it as if it's the truth. Stop operating this way. Stop letting them spoon feed you. Go out and do your own independent research. Read, read, listen, listen. You know what's interesting? They're not a lot of Democrats speaking to this issue at the border. They're not, they're not underscoring it. They're just not speaking to it, hoping that you won't pay attention to it. Because they're creating your optic and your narrative, by the way. The media is the most dangerous, the most powerful entity in the country today are not your elected officials. They're your media, which is why when some of them, not all of them, act irresponsibly or agenda-driven or decide that they want to become extensions of our political operation – it becomes dangerous. And now we're going to delve into the First Amendment at some point where you're not only allowed to yell fire in a, in a movie theater. I'm starting to wonder what type of counterproductive or poisonous or toxic rhetoric are you allowed to spew that harms the country and be protected by the Constitution? Not to go off on another tangent, but we had another young lady from Minneapolis, a representative Omar, likening this country to the Taliban and Hamas, you know, I don't think there's any question, and I'm not shy about saying this, and anybody can label me however they want to, I really don't care. This young lady apparently doesn't love this country, doesn't understand geopolitical uh, issues, and doesn't understand the world she's living in, and the country that's been provided to her, that she could speak this way. You should try to go back to your country of origin and speak this way, and see what they do to you. All I say to you is very simple. Love this country, except we have faults, guys. We need to fix them. We need to find the soul of this country. But don't sit here and liken us to terrorist organizations because you don't understand the political dynamic. And to everyone who's of the Jewish faith and who's a Democrat, I'm struggling to understand how you support the Democratic Party when they have an element within that party that spew anti-Semitism and call for the, the destruction of the state of Israel. This is not my opinion. This is a fact. Go do your homework. Go Google some of the tweets from Omar and Tlaib that they're allowed to be elected officials is a defect. We lack the courage to censor them and or remove them from office. People need to explore the sedition laws that have since been repealed that deal with activity that's counterproductive to the, to the welfare of this country. I believe in your, your right to free speech, but you know what? We put you in an elected office. You now have a forum. You have an ear. You should be a little more responsible, a little more selective about what comes out of your mouth and think of the implication of what you're about to say before you say it. That's the reality of the situation. I'm not saying this to you as a Republican or a Democrat. I'm saying this to you as an American citizen. I'm born in this country. I love this country. I have traveled this world. I've traveled this country. There is no place like it. We're in dark, dangerous territory, especially when you allow people to engage in rhetoric that clearly does not signify their affection, appreciation, or love of this country. Don't ever liken us to the Taliban or Hamas. Even Hamas took exception to it. They don't 
don't want to be coupled in with us. And as far as Israel goes, that's an interesting discussion that we somehow have to get into the minds and the hearts of the leaders of these countries and for the sake of their children, figure out how you're going to live peacefully because killing children never has an upside to it. And tragically, we don't know where to start with this conversation or where to end, but my thing is this. Just stop doing what you're doing and try to put all your energy or focus into figuring out how you can live together. I don't understand what this hatred's all about. Who's got time to hate? If you have hate, you have too much free time. That's all I'm going to say to you. And I don't have time for it. As I said earlier, I want a problem solve. Sit down. It seems, and I hate to say this, not going well with Biden, didn't go well with President Obama, and um, it looks like Donald Trump had made some headway. You know, there's an interesting adage also in life. Sometimes you get people to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Maybe Trump made people fearful or intimidated them or they thought he was crazy. Look, for whatever reason, it somehow got Kim Jong-un to come to the table twice. Nothing his predecessors could do. He started to address the disparity in China with, with the budget. He went after NATO with the disproportionate amount of money that we spend in NATO when countries in Europe are engaged in commerce with countries we're protecting them from. Duh. This is not my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fact. Don't accept it because I said it. Please go out and become an investigator. You know, on our prior show, we had a gentleman, Robert Boyce. This man is an investigator. I do want to say one other thing. Um, there's, there's another show on, out right now, Dan Bongino. This guy's a very, very good investigator. My only criticism of Dan is the political agenda and his delivery method. He's a very, very smart man, factually driven. I would encourage you to investigate some of the things he's presenting to you because it's going to upset you when you find out a lot of them are true. The truth is the truth. The problem is the political entity don't want you to believe what's best for this country. They want you to believe what's best for their party. And that's a defect in our thinking. Um, the whole issue with the borders, to go right back to this topic, is a critical one because if we do not properly assimilate this demographic coming into the country, they're going to become part of our crime stream. Whether people like to accept that or not, that's up to you. But that's the truth and the reality of the situation. And for whatever reason, I'd love to hear an explanation. Or as Kamala Harris said, I haven't visited Europe either. I hate to say it. But Lester Holt, who's a very competent, responsible journalist from NBC, asked her a very pointed question. Her response was, I haven't gone to Europe either. Well, I hate to say this to the vice president, but if you cannot discern the critical nature of the ongoings in the border and traveling to Europe, maybe you're not fit for office. And I hate to say that because I don't like being critical of our public officials, but I was alarmed by that response. This needs attention. Not because it's a political issue, but because it reflects on this country and it's going to impact this country. I hope that answered your question. I thank you. And we're going to go to another email after we come back from this short break. Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We have an email from Gretchen, who apparently is in Vermont. And she's asking, with rampant crime high in our major cities, which mayor and city has done the best job controlling it, and which one has done the worst? <laughs> Let's see. Well, there are no major cities that are managing this problem that are under siege. There are certainly no mayors that are properly managing this problem. Um, as far as determining which one is the worst, boy, that's a tough one because, you know, we have watched the mayor in the city of New York single-handedly destroy the greatest city in the history of civilization, and everybody seems to be reluctant to say that. I don't know why, and I mean, he's not going to be mad at you. 
Enough people have said enough derogatory things about him. What I've said to you is just simply truthful, and it sits on what we call prima facie evidence. Just look at it. it it'll tell you itself. You know, it's a toss-up. We've got some really incompetent people running major cities today, and, and it would be hard to determine who is the least competent. If you look at the condition of Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland's a Lulu, I guess Seattle, Summer of Love, when they <laughs> created this autonomous zone, you have Austin, you have Minneapolis, Milwaukee. I mean, you've got your pick. D.C., Philadelphia, I, I don't even know where to start with, with what's going on in the major cities. But what's astonishing to me is that we just keep, seem to just sit here and continue to take it. Oh, no, no, that's not true. We're leaving our major cities. And what's happening there is they're losing their tax base. And something I would like everybody to understand, go do some research on Detroit. Detroit, if it wasn't the wealthiest city, it was one of the wealthiest cities in the country in the 1950s and 60s because of the automotive industry and because of music, and lost its tax base. Sound familiar? That's what's happening in your major cities. When these cities are no longer safe to operate in or live in, people are going to leave. And as I said earlier, technology is allowing you that latitude to do so now. You lose your tax base, you lose your city. It's that simple. So I wish I could have answered this for you as who's done the worst job. I apologize for being deficient in that area. As far as the crime being rampant, you hit the nail right on the head. And as far as the mayors or the elected officials in each of these jurisdictions, it's hard. You can like flip a coin as to which one is a bigger knucklehead. You just sit there and ask yourself, do you not see what's going on? What is it you plan on doing moving forward to arrest this situation? And they're doing nothing. It's almost like they're paralyzed. And what we do need to do is to convince the population in each of these cities that you need a change of regime. Not to be political, to remind everyone, the next statement I make has nothing to do with any political affiliation because I have none. Every major city in this country that's, that's failing is being run by the Democratic Party. Listen, I appreciate everybody calling in today. I appreciate the emails. We're going to wrap the show for today. I'm going to take some blood pressure medication. And uh, if you want to reach us, you can go to our website at betweenthelines.tv. I thank everyone for joining us today, and I encourage you, re-engage. I'm Lou Palumbo. This has been Between the Lines, and have a great day. Mm-hmm.